you know you are capable of more because you have a burning desire to get the absolute most out of your career and life, to starve your fears, to follow your dreams, and to realize your true potential. And we are going to do that together. This is the Own Your Career, Own Your Life podcast. Are you ready? Let's go. Hey, Kent. Welcome to the show. So excited to have you on the Own Your Career show. What's going on? Hey, not much. Thank you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. It feel this is like sort of like back in the 70s and 80s whenever you would have somebody on the tonight show and they will have watched tons of episodes but it'll be their first appearance sitting on the couch next to johnny carson so i, I watched <laughs> a lot of johnny carson growing up so this is like a huge honor for me well i appreciate that and um it's kind of funny you've had me on your show twice now we just recorded an interview for your show and i can't tell you how many times during the last year i was like i really need to have kent on my show and I never got around to it, so I'm glad that we're doing this now. Um, and and I'm glad we're doing. We waited anyway because you've passed some milestones recently. I've passed some milestones recently. And one thing I've learned throughout the last, I don't know, I'll say five years of like building a business and brand and like starting a podcast and wanting to get on other people's shows is the longer I wait, the better I get, right? And the better yeah, the conversation point. is. You know, we're always that's so eager point. to do these things, um, but it ends up getting better. And I'm, again, glad we waited because you recently made a pretty big transition. You passed some milestones. You're building a business. Um, and I'm excited to dig into that a little bit. I want to talk about your career, some lessons you've learned. And I also want to talk a little bit about writing. And sure. um, for those out there who are aspiring writers or think of themselves as writers who want to get better at writing or get into writing more, uh, I want to give some tips for that. Um, but first, I'd like to take uh, you know step back and, and share a little bit of background on who you are and your career, because you've had an interesting career going from, I, I believe, uh, seminary, right? And, and, and being a, um, uh, what do you call it? I want to say a preacher, but that's not, that's not the right word. Right? It's, it's close. Know? It's close, close enough. So, yeah. okay. <laughs> so I started getting, off... into getting into teaching and then now as a, as a professional writer. So yeah, tell me more. So I started off my professional career as uh, actually a pastor I went pastor, to, that was the word I was looking for. I don't yeah, well, you're a preacher pastor. It's really all yeah. kind of the same thing. So I started off as a, a pastor specifically doing music in the church world. And hmm. one of the interesting things about being a musician or sort of the terminology in the church world is a worship leader or a, uh, there, there's lots of different terms for it, I guess, but the, the person who stands up on stage and, and leads the songs, essentially. Hmm. I started off doing that. And one of the most interesting things about that, that kind of work is that you never, if you get into the evangelical church world, you really rarely see people doing that type of work who are over 35. Mm. And the reason is because when you're doing that kind of stuff, you're, you're creating these, these complicated events, essentially every single week, it's really, really exhausting. And as much as you might feel spiritually fulfilled doing that or, or whatever, it's just really, really tiring. So when I was 29, I actually made the transition from doing that into teaching, basically teaching that at the college level, which is actually where I'm sitting now. So all those years ago, I came to this college where I am now, where I literally just this morning wrapped up my final course hmm. um, as a as an adjunct professor. I stepped down from, from that role full-time a few months ago, but I taught here for a long time. And after about 10 years of teaching music and, and worship and ministry and those kinds of things at our small school, I got kind of bored with that, to be honest with you, and was feeling really burned out. And um, my school, and I will, will forever give a lot of credit to our administrators, they allowed me to gradually 
over a period of two or three years, switch my role entirely to teaching totally different stuff. So I switched from doing more music kinds of things into teaching things like communications and self-publishing and storytelling and arts and film and those kinds of things and really, really loved it. And then at the same time, uh, this has been five or six years ago, I started doing freelance writing on the side. And then eventually that grew into, I kind of morphed into ghostwriting books a couple of years ago. And I was able to grow that business enough that earlier this year, I actually left my teaching job full-time to do ghostwriting full-time and also to help writers through my podcast and my, my daily writer membership community and more putting more focus on writing my own stuff as well. So it all just kind of morphed together over all those years, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so awesome. And you've had such an interesting, interesting career and I love what you've created recently. Um, I want to go back to when you were working for the school and you said you were getting a little bit tired, complacent, mm-hmm. burned out with what you were doing, and they gave you an opportunity to teach something different to kind of shake things up. Now, did that come because they noticed that you were getting burned out, tired, bored, whatever, and said, hey, why don't you go do this? Or did you initiate that conversation and say, this is not really working. I want to do something different. That's a really, really good question. I appreciate you asking that because I don't want it to sound like somebody came to me and said, hey, you're not doing a good job. We want you to switch. (laughs) This was totally totally initiated by myself. Hmm. And uh, it's not an exaggeration to really say that it was almost as if I had walked into work one day and somebody just flipped a switch. You know, they're, they're kind of, sometimes the, you come to these inflection points in your life where something just, the, 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 the scale tips enough to where you just go, I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. Sometimes for people, that's a certain relationship. Sometimes that's a certain kind of work or living in a certain place or whatever. For me, I just thought, I just don't want to do this anymore. So I either need to get a different job or I need to start building my own business or switch what I'm teaching because it wasn't just a matter of, I want to escape this place. It, it really wasn't that. It was more of a sense of duty because I thought it's not fair for me to be teaching these courses and trying to impact students' lives if I'm not really excited about what I'm doing. Hmm. So it's, I need to figure out some way to move forward in a different direction because I can't, excuse me, I can't operate with integrity in my teaching that way. So what I did is I was actually... I was actually trying to implement all the things I was learning from business leaders that I was in touch with. They were talking about persuasion and how do you lead people who are above you and all those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. So I used all of that stuff to then pitch ideas for new courses to other faculty and my colleagues and our administrators. And I was able to kind of finagle my way into a new role. And I think a couple of years later, people would look back and go, wait a minute, didn't you used to be doing this? I was like, yeah, but it was so, it was so gradual. And I tried to be so smooth with it that I don't think anybody really noticed right. until I was totally in a, a new role. It was, it was really fun. Yeah. But you initiated that conversation. Totally. And I'm, I'm so glad I appreciate you telling that story. And I'm so glad it was you that initiated the conversation because you know, I'm all about owning your career. Absolutely. And I can't tell you how many people are, you know, there's so many people out there. They're like, I wish I could do something different let me wait for my boss to notice that I need to do something different, right? And come talk to me about it. And of course yeah. they never do, right? They gonna no happen. If, if you're doing a good enough job, they're like, okay, Kent's fine over there. We're going to focus on what we're doing over here. And they're not thinking about it. You've got to go initiate that conversation. And I really admire that you did that. Uh, funny enough, I was in a similar position in my career at one point. I worked for a large insurance company and realized 
you know, I was doing a lot of spreadsheet analytical work that like I can do, but I didn't, I wasn't that good. I didn't really enjoy. I was like, I really want to do something different. I've realized that I have these people skills. Um, I'd like to be out in the field doing more. And so I went to my manager and initiated that conversation as well and said, you know, I think it would probably be better for both of us, you know, if I spent more time out in the field talking to agents. Uh, and he basically said, no, get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> wow. You're like, thanks. Thanks for the support. Right. Thanks so much. Uh, he and I always butted heads. We never get along and got along anyway. Um, but you know, he didn't see it. And he was like, no, our job is to do this, this analytical stuff. That's what I'm working on. And that's what I want you to go work on. So get back to work. Um, and I tell that story a lot in, you know, interviews that I do and keynotes and stuff too, because it's not, it's not the, Hey, look what I did. And it worked out well for me. It's the, like, I took the chance and, and initiated that conversation. And, you know, in your case, they understood it, accepted it, and helped you move into a different position. In my case, it showed me that this is not where I need to be long-term hmm. and it's, it's time for me to make a move. And I started looking for another job and another career as a result. And I'm so glad it happened, right? Because it led me to where I am today. And had, the, had he said, oh, you're right. Let me help you find something that fits your strengths. I might still be working there today. This was over, yeah. this was over 12 years ago. This is you know, quite some time <laughs> ago, right? Um, so I'm glad, right, that we are, we've both been on the journeys that we're on. Now you found this new, uh, you know, kind of stuff to teach and, and started learning new things and doing more stuff. And that might've been invigorating. Um, but you also got into writing, you said as well. I did. And I'm curious, uh, you know, there's a lot of people out there that dream about getting into becoming a writer, writing one day, whether it's on the side or full-time, how did that start? How did you know that you wanted to start writing? How did you get started writing? Well, I'd always dreamed of being a writer, even from the time I was a kid. I remember, gosh, back when I was in, in junior high, my I always enjoyed writing in class and all those kinds of things. And whenever we would have a group project, you know, I would always be the one to kind of head it up. And I wouldn't let anybody's help, anybody else help because I was kind of a control freak with the creative aspects. <laughs> I remember telling my junior high teacher that I wanted to write a book someday. And she said, I want you to dedicate your first book to me. Way back when I was, you know, what, 12 or 13. Wow. And I did. I, I did dedicate one of my books to her. And one of the best moments of my life was being able to send her a print copy of that book mm. and just say, here's what you inspired in me. It took me way too long to do it, but, yeah. you know, teachers can be very powerful. There's no too long. You did it. Yeah, I did it. It just, if I would have just listened to my wife, you know, years before that, it would have gotten done way quicker, but that's another story. Yeah. I was just too hard headed. But um, I had never really thought about writing for hire or writing for clients until I got involved in a group called 48days.net. This was uh, so a mutual friend of ours, Dan Miller, mm -hmm. um, just a, an amazing, wonderful guy. Author of the book, 48 Days to the Work You Love. Yes. Right? Absolutely transformational. Around. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So talk, talk about a guy who owns his career and owns his life and then helps other people do that. Really, really cool. So he had a precursor to what he has now in his 48 days Eagles community. And that was 48 days.net. It was, it was, I'm not going to say it was clunky, but it was, it was a little clunky mm -hmm. uh, in terms of the, the engagement and the way the site was set up. But I loved it because there I got introduced to a friend of mine who was a podcast producer and he basically said, Hey, I know you're a writer. Would you be interested in writing show notes for a client of mine whose podcast I'm producing? And I was like, yeah, well, it turns out that guy was Bob Berg, who is, you know, an amazing author in him. Author of the go-giver. Yeah. I mean, holy books, moly. Right? Talk about a cool person to work with. And mm -hmm. I just learned so much from that experience. And it just kind of grew from there, you know, over the years and just getting involved in different places. Um, like the TLF community that we're both a part of and so many other kinds of things. So I found that getting around the right people 
who could give me opportunities was a really critical step in that process. Yeah. Um, but wh- what did it start with? Where, did you just start writing stuff on the side? Was it like blog posts or poems or were you just start writing on a book, writing a book right away? Like how did you get started with writing? Oh yeah. For me, it was just blogging way back, probably 2006 or seven. I started okay. a blog that was related to teaching. I was just sharing thoughts, stuff. I mean, it wasn't even that good. It was just stuff that I was curious about or excited yeah. about. And it just started with blogging. Then I started a podcast in 2014. Mm. started it, then stopped it like a lot of people do and hit a lot of bumps along the way, but I just kept creating stuff. Mm. None of it was successful, but I was learning a lot of things along the way for sure. Well, we have to start creating that stuff and rarely is it going to be quote successful right away. Right. But we've got to take those steps. How do you know if this is an interesting question, how do you know if you're a good writer? That's a great question. I think part of it is, are you excited about it? And do you enjoy it? That to me is a huge part of this because anybody can become a better writer, but yeah. do you actually enjoy it communicating that way? Mm-hmm. And I think part of this also is, uh, you know, I think part of determining our purpose and our path in life is looking for the affirmation of other people. Are other people validating your skills in that area? I think yeah. that, that doesn't, doesn't mean we always have to listen to everybody's critique of us, mm-hmm. but it does mean that other trusted people in our lives do have something to say about that. And, and we should listen to them when it's appropriate. And right. in my case, people had always told me, Hey, you're, you're a solid writer. I think you should do more of this, blah, blah, blah. And I just was too scared to do anything about it for years. Yeah. So for me, part of that was that validation from others. And I, I wanted to do what I was excited about it. And then just having other people's Tell help. me, Can I go back to, you, you said you were too, too scared to do anything about it for many years. Tell me about that fear uh, because I think that's very common, right? Whether it's writing or any dream that we want to pursue, um, you know, what, what were you afraid of and how did you ultimately get past that? That is a good question. I'm not sure what I was afraid of other than I didn't really know how to write a full book. The whole process of writing a book seemed really intimidating to me. Yeah, same. And the thing that actually flipped the switch, and I remember this conversation in such, in such amazing detail because it was really a turning point for me, was I had talked about writing a book for years mm-hmm. and for years, ever since we'd been married, I would every few months or every couple of years, I would go to my wife and say, Hey, I've got this idea for a book. What do you think about this? And I would outline it and think this would be so cool to do and blah, blah, blah. And this happened time and time and time again. I mean, probably a dozen times over the years, She's I had yet another book idea and we were standing in our kitchen one day and I said, Hey, I've got this idea for a book. Like, what do you think about this? And she stopped and looked at me and just said, and she had this look, you know, the look, it was the yeah. look like, I don't even want to hear anything else out of your mouth right now. Right. And I was like, what's the matter? I'm just telling you my book idea. And she said, yeah. I don't think you're going to actually do it. She said, at, the, and at that point, we'd been married for 17 or 18 years. Yeah. She said, at this point, you have had so many book ideas and you've not done any of them. <laughs> I don't think you're actually ever going to do it. Yeah. And it really made me mad. And so mm. I was like, okay, I'm going to show you. And that's when I started writing it. It really, it, it got my goat really bad, but I think yeah. that's what she intended and it worked. Yeah. Huh. So it's almost like the, the reverse psychology approach. It was like, you know, I don't think you can do this. We try to use with our kids sometimes. Like, I don't think you can do that. I don't think you're going to eat your <laughs> yeah. vegetables. You don't like broccoli. Uh, no, but that's, <laughs> that's really cool that your, your wife kind of motivated you because I'm sure she was getting tired of you hearing, you know, hearing you oh, say, like, I've got this book, so idea. Tired got this it. book idea. And it's like, okay, write a book. Like you'll never know if it's yeah. good or worth anything, if you don't write the book. Exactly. Exactly. 
So how did you, um, I also remember, you know, when I got my idea and I knew I wanted to write a book, um, being intimidated by the idea of writing a whole book. I had now, I had never done any writing. I'd never written more than one blog. I don't know if I've written a blog post, never written a blog. Um, I didn't see myself as a writer, um, but I was so passionate about this idea for the book and I had an outline. I, I had an idea that maybe I could write it. Uh, but when I asked people about the average length of a book, I heard it was 50,000 words. And that sounded like- <laughs> It's intimidating. You know, it's like, I'm going to go for my first hike. Oh, Mount Everest looks interesting. Like, let me go check that out. So uh, for me, it was eventually our our mutual friend and mentor, Henri Cordero, who said mm -hmm. to me, you know, 50,000 words, it's not writing 50,000 words. You break it down into 500 words a day for hundred days. And you get 50,000 yeah. words. And I was like, oh, maybe I can do that. And that, that's what I did. What was it for you to, to break it down and, and be able to overcome this huge, like what looked like a huge hurdle? Well, I can tell you my, my first two books, they, they happened really close together. I had created a course on Evernote, the productivity app that used to be really popular and it's kind of gone downhill. That's a whole other story. But anyway, I had created a whole course on Evernote, an online course. It was the first thing that I ever sold. I put a ton of work into it and I think I sold maybe 10 or 15 you know, things of it, yeah. um, but I learned a lot from it. And so I had these extensive notes from my course. So I connected with a small digital publisher and I crafted a book out of those notes and I actually got permission from the Evernote Corporation to sell the book. They were very cool about it. Hmm. So uh, I didn't really make any money from that. It was a lot of work, but I learned the excitement of actually having a book published, which was, you know, once you have something out there, you yeah. can, you get a taste of that success, even mm -hmm. if it's just a little bit, it's, it's intoxicating. So what I decided to do next was do a very short book for creative people. And uh, that wound up being my book called The Artist's Suitcase, which is where I take each letter of the alphabet and I do, it's like a five to 750 word little chapter on. Yeah. I've read like that a book. is for attitude. Yeah, yeah, those kind of things. Most of those started out as blog posts actually. Hmm. And I just kind of blogged that book and then I, you know, rewrote it and edited it and just kind of went through the normal process. You started writing some of your own book and I've read the artist suitcase and it, it, it's great. I recommend it for anybody who considers themselves an artist or an aspiring artist or writer. There's a lot of great inspiration in there. Um, you decided that you want to do more writing and that you would start ghost writing for other people. Mm -hmm. um, how, how did you decide that that would be a good way for you to go? Obviously, it's a way for you to do more writing. Um, and this is, this is an interesting question for me because I'm fascinated by the ego and how it holds people back into different mm -hmm. areas and different forms. Um, how do you put aside ego as well to say, I'm going to write a book for someone and let them put their name on it and maybe they acknowledge me, but really I'm not going to be that known for it. Right. Like yeah. to know you've did a great job and someone else might get the, the accolades for it. Yeah. So those are two separate questions and I'll, yeah. I'll take the, the first question first. Yeah. So it was interesting how I actually got into ghostwriting. It really came out of feeling very discouraged and frustrated. This has been just a couple of years ago. This is back in the summer of 2019, I guess about two and a half years ago, I had really been trying to figure out what my path was going to be. I'd, I was, I wasn't making some money doing freelance writing, like podcast show notes and stuff like that, but it's really hard to make a full-time, a good full-time living doing that kind of freelance work yeah. that is it's sort of low paying. And there's a lot of people out there who do that kind of stuff. So I was searching for, okay, what is something else that I could maybe morph into? And that summer I had applied to several jobs and it was those, the kind of jobs where you have to go through all these assessments, you're creating stuff and 
they take like dozens of hours to go through the interview processes and all that. And I had not gotten a couple of those jobs and I was really discouraged. And so one day I sat down, I think this was in September of, of 2019. And I literally got out a legal pad and I wrote down, what are the things that I want to have in my ideal career, whatever that's going to be, what are the non-negotiable criteria? So I listed out five things. And those five things were number one, I had to be able to work from anywhere. So location freedom. Number two was I wanted to be able to work on my own schedule, time freedom. And number three was I wanted to be able to set my own income. So the harder that I work or the smarter that I work, I want to make more income. I don't want that to have an artificial ceiling on it. Number four was that I wanted to be focused on writing, which is my main marketable gift. And number five is that I wanted whatever I do for a business to put me around highly successful business people, whatever that entails. And as I looked through my options, the only two things that I could find that met all five, all five of those criteria were copywriting and ghostwriting. Copywriting is great and it's very important, but I just didn't, I wasn't drawn to that the same way that I was drawn to ghostwriting. The reason I picked ghostwriting was because when you tell people you're a ghostwriter, that immediately brings up a sense of mystery and curiosity. It happens multiple times a week. It's, yeah. it's the craziest thing in the world. Right. Plus, everybody wants a book. I mean, everybody you talk to in the world, they want to write a book, right? Hmm. So just, I don't know of any other career title where you can tell people what you do and it automatically makes people curious and they ask more questions. I mean, what better marketing can you have than that? Yeah. Where they're so curious about it. So I picked that. And plus with books, it's a pretty straightforward process. You know, writing a book is step A, step B, step C. And once you figure it out, you know. Yeah, it, it's very, very doable. And and you can, you know, if you play it the right way, you can be highly compensated as a ghostwriter. So it just was kind of like a no brainer. So that's the direction I went. Very cool. And then what about the ego question of like putting that aside to say, I'm going to put all my effort into writing someone else's book? So it depends on, well, there's a couple answers to that. Uh, one answer would be that when anytime that you see anybody's book, it doesn't matter if it was quote unquote ghostwritten or not, it's never really the product of just one person. Even your book, Andy, is not yep. the product of just you. It's really the product of your beta readers to some degree, of sure. your editor, of, of Courtney, who had some yep. input into your book. So yep. there's no book out there no that's matter, just the product yep. of one single person. Correct. A book is always a collaborative effort. Yeah, always a team effort. And ghostwriting kind of just takes that reality to the next level. Uh, you know, the, the whole thing about being credited on the cover, I think most ghostwriters would tell you they don't really care about that that much because there are other benefits to ghostwriting that you get from that, like referrals. I learn a lot from each one of my clients. Now, I'm getting to the point now in my business where I'm getting more and more cover credits, which is, you know, anytime you see a book that says author, with so yeah. and so that's always a sign that that it was ghostwritten right and plus ghostwriting doesn't necessarily mean that i did all the work and they did nothing it's 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 always a collaboration hmm. so cool. so yeah there's a lot of answers to that but generally ghostwriters <laughs> if you talk to a ghostwriter on a day that they're feeling a little bit sarcastic they will yeah. just say hey as long as they pay me on time that's all i care about well and that's um, that's part which of it, is right? part like of it yeah whether it doesn't matter what job you do in the working world if you're employed by someone else and you work out what you feel is a fair agreement, they're going to pay yeah. me X amount of dollars and I'm going to give them a book with their name on it. Like you agreed to that up front, right? Like that's part of the agreement. Exactly. That's part as of the deal. You, get, you feel like you got paid enough. It should be okay. 
Um, but I thought it was an interesting question because I'm sure some people would struggle with that. Um, I don't, I don't think I would, but I don't know. The only book I have has, has my name on it. So, <laughs> um, uh, so I, I wanted to pivot that to talk about writing books for people. And we only have a little bit of time left, but for people who are thinking about writing their first book, um, you know, as you mentioned, so many people want to write a book, aspire to write a book. Um, for someone who's maybe a working professional, but they think like, I really want to write. I don't know if I want to be a full-time author one day, but I want to get into writing. Mm -hmm. You know, how do you recommend people get started and really think about writing, you know, maybe whether starting with a blog, whatever it is, and then maybe think about writing that first book. I think a great place to start is by figuring out what you, what you want from the process. So do you want to get more speaking gigs? Do you want to make, you know, is money the main thing you want from it? Do you want to get hired by specific kinds of clients? Do you just want creative satisfaction? You have to be really clear on what you want from the process because a book can get you more of whatever it is that you want, but you have to be really clear on what it is that you want upfront. If you're not clear on that, a book is so much work to put together that you're going to probably lose steam halfway through and, and quit. And I've done that before. Even though I do this for a living, writing is exhausting. It, it takes yeah. a lot of out of you emotionally. So you have to be clear on that. And, and I think it's, it's almost also like with any, almost like, sorry, to interrupt, but almost like with any big goal you're pursuing, if you don't have a strong enough why or purpose, exactly. behind it, you run into challenges, you get, you know, you get tired of it and you're like, ah, I'm not going to do this anymore. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So I think defining what it is that you want from the process is critical. Also, you need to figure out who your audience is, who's your target reader, who you're writing this book for, and what kinds of things do you want to say in the book? And I, I think a good place to start is once you have those things nailed down, sit down and just start brainstorming. What are the big ideas that you want to include in this book? Then once you have kind of a list of those things, gather three or four people, maybe do a Zoom call or email those people, get some feedback from your target readers on, hey, what would you like to see in a book on this topic or this topic or this topic, whatever it is. Now, if you want to make some really fast progress, then you, know, you could hire a book coach. That is something I do, but I'm not here to promote that necessarily. Having a book coach can really accelerate that process and help you figure out what the book is a lot faster, help you kind of trim the fat of the book and really get clear and get a great book outline going and motivate you and all that stuff. Um, but, but if you're not going to go that route, then pull in some friends who can help you with that. Uh, some other people who are also working on a book, because having that community is really, really a crucial aspect of being successful with getting through the book process, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree. Um, speaking of that, uh, you know, you and I have been in the community together. We both mm -hmm. uh, run communities. In fact, when I started this book idea, I was in two different communities that were helpful for me in getting my book put together. Uh, and you now run a community for writers. So tell me more about that and like some of the benefits that people get from being involved and some of the benefits you've gotten from running the community. Well, I have to be honest and say that this is not a group that I initially wanted to start. Mm. I know that's an unusual way of starting an answer <laughs> to that question, saying that yeah. I didn't want to do it. But the reason is because I didn't want to be one of those people who was starting yet another group for writers. There's so many things for writers out there. I resisted it for a couple of years because I just wondered if I have something unique of value to add. Because I'm an introvert, you know, like running a group, it takes emotional energy for me to do that. I'm just being honest. Mm -hmm. So I want it to be something that I felt was truly worthwhile of, of my time and my energy. And I was at a retreat, uh, a total life freedom retreat a little over a year ago. And as it happened to be, we, the whole group was talking about this writing group that I had thought about 
starting. And I forget who it was, but somebody said, if you truly feel like you can help writers by creating a community, then you're doing them a disservice. Uh, you're doing them a disservice if you don't actually do this. Hmm. I thought, wow, okay, I, it's hard to argue against that. So I started the group, and it's called the Daily Writer Community. And some things that are included in this are we do weekly writing sprints for a few hours. So we get on Zoom calls on Thursdays, and uh, anybody who wants to pop in can do that. We at the top of the hour we do a quick check-in about what you're working on that day, what your goals are. Then we shut off the camera and mic on Zoom, but we kind of work together. So it's sort of like co-working in a sense. It's like co-working for introverts. You're working together, but you're not really working together. Right, right. And a couple of times a month, we have guest experts come in and talk about stuff like social media and marketing and productivity and mindset and self-publishing and all that stuff. And then I'm also working on some courses for the group, which are going to be audio only courses. And I, I'm doing this because I think people, people, uh, introverts, I will say, and maybe most people, but I think introverts, especially sometimes get tired of, of all the media and all the video courses out there. So these are just going to be audio courses that you can listen to just like a regular podcast. And, um, you get things like, you know, daily writing prompts you can sign up for and, uh, a very active Facebook group. Those are kind of the main things that we have going on in the community. I've actually created this so that it's not overwhelming for writers. You know, you could pack a lot of stuff into a group, but this is kind of like, hey guys, this is all that we have. We just have a few things. So you're not overwhelmed. And I think that's actually a great selling point because I don't want to overwhelm writers who are most, most writers would identify as introverts. Probably you, you you and I have talked about that in the past, both running communities that the, the, one of the biggest mistakes people make when they start communities is trying to give too much yeah. overwhelming. And I have done that. I recently yeah. ran a virtual summit. And I think one of the lessons at the end when I was debriefing with um, Stephanie, my operations manager was, I think once again, I, I gave too much. It sounds like yeah. one of those silly things you say in an interview, where like, Oh, what's my challenge? I give too much. Um, yeah. But I think I really did. And I think it was overwhelming for people. And so I'm always trying to, to bring that back. Um, the last question on that was, uh, you know, as you've been running this community now for a few months, I don't know how long it's been, uh, but what has it done for you? That's a great question. It has reinforced my notion that community is vital for writers. That's the number one thing. It's also given me a lot of great ideas. So I also run a daily podcast called The Daily Writer. And what I do is I use the community as a testing ground for concepts and ideas. So if I have an idea about a topic I want to explore, we'll do a call on that in the group. Sometimes uh, I think it's really great, but maybe it doesn't go over that well, or people don't get excited about it. At the same time, I also use my podcast as a testing ground for things. So things that go really well on the podcast, I'll then do something in the community on that. So the community for me is just kind of a laboratory where I test out things. We're constantly evaluating each other's book covers in the group and ideas. And many of us in the group are doing client work. You know, we just, we're there to help each other grow. And it is a as a curated group, meaning, you know, I don't necessarily just want anybody to come in and join. I, I want to have some say in who joins the group. So, yeah. So we have okay. a, a curated group of different types of writers in the group as well. So yeah, it's, it's really a blast. I like that. Okay. I said, last question, I've got two more questions for you. So last, last question. And then the last, last, last question. Um, but you, you recently made a transition, as you mentioned, uh, a few months ago, you left your position as a, as a um, full-time professor uh-huh. to become a full-time writer, basically running your ghostwriting business. Uh, and today was your last day as an adjunct professor teaching it was. class, right? As you go all in in this business. Um, 
no matter how, I know you have been building for a while on the side before you made this transition, yes. but it's still a scary transition to make. How did you make that decision that you were ready to go full-time as a business person to become an entrepreneur? And did you ever think that you would be an entrepreneur running your own business? I, I thought maybe someday I would, but I was really, really terrified of doing that because even though I didn't make that much money as a college professor, uh, there's still something very comforting about having having whatever amount it is, you know, deposited yeah, in your account every month and having health right. insurance and all that stuff. So the way that I dealt with that fear was number one, I made sure that we had probably at least six months of savings in the bank. So because I'd been ghostwriting for a while, you know, we had some money in the bank. So I did not make this transition, like just kind of hoping for the best. Uh, I also made sure that I, that I was making the, at least the equivalent of my day job that I was making that in my side business for at least six months. So I made the transition pretty much with a certainty that my business was going to keep growing. Now, the most important thing was that I had the, the buy-in from my wife, who was, of course, is the most important voice. And she confirmed that this was the right decision. And she's not a reckless kind of a person at all. So I thought, okay, if she believes I can do this, then probably I can. Yeah. So th this was a very calculated, very well-planned out kind of a trend, at least as well-planned as I can make it. Yeah. I remember watching you through that journey. You built it out on the side, you built up the income, you saved the mm -hmm. money, um, probably built the confidence as well that you could yeah. do this. You have happy clients, right? And there is an opportunity there to make even more money if you went into it full time. And it's just right. so cool to see the way you've done it. And I'd love to do a whole another interview, but like how you built that, because I know you almost have more clients that you can handle right now because you've done such a great job of building the network and getting referrals and, and obviously putting out quality work and, and all those things. So that could be a whole nother conversation, but uh, I'm just, yeah. I'm proud of you for following your passion and your curiosity and your dreams and what you wanted to do and going and taking a chance and, and doing that and obviously doing it the right way. Um, and that will lend to my last question for you, which is that my book obviously is called Own Your Career, Own Your Life. Uh, when you hear that, um, especially this idea of owning your career, what does that mean to you? Oh, to me, it means I'm going to decide where I go. I don't want anybody else calling the shots. I don't want anybody else determining my schedule or my income or my opportunities. And as much as I loved teaching and I love my students, I was really limited. I was in a limited context. I was limited in my income and my opportunities. And, you know, that to be quite honest, you know, the, the mindset of people in the education world is very different than people who are entrepreneurs. And I wanted to more spend time around entrepreneurs who could help take me to that next level. So love it. I just, I love being in control. Love it. Love it. I do as well. I do as well. We have that in common. Kent, <laughs> Absolutely. This awesome. Inspiring. You've had a great journey. Uh, and uh, we're both just warming up, just getting started. So many great I things think so. to come. So thank you so much for coming on and sharing your journey and your advice. Um, for anybody listening who wants to get in touch with you, maybe find out more about the Daily Writer group, where should they go? They should go to dailywriterlife.com. And if you want to check out the community, it's dailywriterlife.com slash community. Dailywriterlife.com and dailywriterlife.com slash community. All right. Thank you so much, Ken. I appreciate you. And I'll talk to you later. Thank you so much.